This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. We'll listen to the Fight Disciples podcast. This is episode 223. Just the first time you listen to us, we are available across all social media at Fight Disciples. Our back catalogue is over at our website, fightdisciples.com. And you can also pick us up and subscribe to us via all the usual channels, iTunes, your Android phone, uh, all the usual podcast apps and everything there. Um, mad busy show tonight. A little bit different than usual. Uh, Mr. Catchell is away sunning himself in Ibiza. If anyone follows him on social media, you can see he's sporting some dodgy shirts. Proper thinks he's in Love Island, that kid. So this week we have got an absolute scouse special on our hands for the boxing show. You're going to absolutely love it. One of my best mates in the game. We've known each other for an awful long time. If you get lost with the language a little bit, because you know what I'm like. If I speak to another scouser, my scouse just gets turned up to fever pitch as well. So you can get a subtitled version of this show via The Zone. Thank you, Eddie Hearn. But obviously in studio, the one and only, Walks Talks, Mr. Chris Walker. Morning, Nick. You okay, sir? I'm good, mate. How's it going, brother? Not too okay? bad, yeah. Everything's good. Yourself? Yeah, mate. Good, good, good. Just to put a little bit of background, me and Chris have known each other for a long time. We actually went to school together, although I'm a couple of years older. But we became real close mates because of our love of boxing a few years ago. What year was it, Chris, when we had Mersey gloves? It was about 2010. So summer of 2010, wasn't it? The, the, the golden summer, yeah. let's be honest, kid. <laughs> the golden summer. Me and Chris started our own magazine just for Merseyside called Mersey Gloves. That's how big a boxing nerds we are. And you know what, Chris? What a boss format that was, by the way. And Pro was... boxing and amateur boxing, getting the kind of coverage that doesn't get anywhere else. And all way, there's only the... The MMA coverage that, that used to specialise in as yeah, well. Yeah, they said no one got left out. Mad one. We used to have everyone in there. Terry Etten was in there. Tom Stalker's England exploits were in there. Then obviously the likes of Bellew and the Smith brothers fighting for British titles. Every time Crazy. I'm looking for a magazine, just like for like research or forever, just to like sit down and read a magazine. I've, like, I've got a big collection at home and the odd Mersey Gloves one just pops out in the collection like that. So I still think I've got every issue. Um, I just don't know where they are. So they are still all there somewhere. Mad one. As you say, it was just like a lovely summer. We did it for like six, eight months, something like that. We did, you know what? Everybody, it was so well received. And our dream, of course, was to do a Manchester gloves, a Birmingham gloves, roll it out across the country. But unfortunately, people buy advertising off us and no one paid us. <laughs> so in the end, it became a passion project that wasn't really feasible. But anyway, there's a bit of background on mine and Chris's background. Obviously, now you'll be aware as boxing fans, Chris Walker is. One of the best features writers in the country works regularly for Boxing News. Pick up a Boxing News any day of the week at the moment. By the way, Boxing News these days is off the chain. You know, I was a massive fan when I used to work there. Obviously, Tris Dixon was the editor then. Uh, Matt Christie's the editor now, Chris. And I think Boxing News is, is as good, if not better, than it's ever been before. Yeah. Content's amazing. Yeah, I think Matt's got that like broad approach to the magazine. Um he loves his all-time features. Um, he's got his finger on the pulse with what's going on in the modern zone. Um, his, his editorials every single week as well. I think he, he usually gets them right more than often. So, yeah. like I said, I think Matt's in a good place. The magazine's in a good place, and hopefully, it continue to grow. Yeah, I was uh, the sign of a good column. I always think Brian Reed does this for me in the Daily Mirror as well. I think he's a brilliant columnist, and Matt Christie's the same in boxing news. You read it and you think. That was exactly what was in my head, but I couldn't have put it on paper yeah. better than that. You know, that's how you know. Good co- another good one that works there, of course, is another good mate of ours, Elliot Wassell. Yeah. Elliot writes shit, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah, that's Elliot's, some good Elliot's, journalism, man. It's superb. You can make the um, the most 
mundane subjects just seems to appear on as well, Elliot. Like, yeah. like, what did you do? There's a column last week on the IBO title. Yeah, I don't know it, if yeah, you read yeah. that. I did, very yeah. balanced. Like, Absolutely. I've seen the headline, I thought there's no way you can obviously justify that. But yeah. like I said, when you take a look at it and you see the lengths he's gone to, the, the, the guys he's got in on the article and the research he's done, he makes some very interesting points. Yeah, he is, man. He's a good little writer. Handsome bastard as well. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to this week's show. And you know what? Let's start with your piece in last week's Boxing News. The man himself, Tony Bellew, friend of mine, friend of yours, good friend of this show. Um, obviously, the fight with Alexander Usyk is... We know it's being negotiated. We know Eddie Hearn's been on the phone to Usyk's team. Um, all the noises sound very positive. From what we can tell now on the outside, Chris, reading your column, Bellew's <clears> certainly <throat> up for it, or your article, Bellew's certainly up for it. Is the hold up a venue? Is it a date? Is it going to be this year? What What do you know? I think I think obviously speaking with Bellew the last few weeks, there was a lot of options before the the World Series final. Um, he'd mentioned Tyson Fury. He'd mentioned um, Andre Ward, Adonis Stevenson. They were some of the names that Eddie Hearn had made as well. But I think now all the eggs are in the basket with with Yusuf. Yeah. Um, the four cruiserweight belts, um, the the Muhammad Ali trophy that he won. He's, he's he has given his name a bit of a profile, and it, I think it's the challenge that Bellew wants. I think it ticks a lot of boxes for him, and uh, with the, the motivations that he's got these days. And I'm I'm not sure where he's at in terms of confidence the fight can be made. Um, I don't see why one any issues there should be. Yeah. I know Yusuf wants to fight. He made that clear in his post-fight interview. And like I said, it's it's a big name for him, even though he's won the the, the four titles and and had so much success in the the World Series tournaments. I don't think he's got the the profile that no. perhaps he'd like, and that's and why he called Bellew out. That's it. First yeah. name on his lips after he won. Yeah, Tony the, Bellew. It's and the UK now is a is a, a country now where international fighters want to come and fight, and Bellew's right at the forefront of that. So I think it's a fight that both fighters want. Um, whether they can sort the logistics out, like I said, I know speaking with Bellew recently, he wants to fight in November. Yeah. Um, like I said, at, at, whether there's venues available. Um, he, he's made quite a bit of a name for himself in the O2 now, so that probably yeah. seems a straight place to go to, but whether the availability is there, I don't know. Well, um, I had a little nose this morning at the O2, and the only the only Saturday available in November is the 10th, because the on the 11th through to the 18th is the, the ATP tennis, um, some kind of NITO tennis tournament. Is there the, an indoor tournament is there for a full week, so the 10th of November, looking at other dates as well, Andre Bocelli, the opera singer. Yeah. He's there like the 2nd and 3rd of November. It looks like 10th would be the only available date. If it is, you don't know. Sometimes they book it out the day before. Like, you know, you got to put a tennis court in there, whatever else. I don't know how that works, but you would suggest November the 10th. And the reason the O2 really is probably down to the fact that, you know, the Echo Arena's just not big enough, is it? Let's be honest. For I a fight of this magnitude. Yeah, I think, I think Bellion loves fighting at the O2. I think the pressure's off him. Um, I know when he used to fight in Liverpool, obviously the, the media commitments he had that week and stuff like that. I know a few days before the fight now he can just unwind and he hasn't got the the, the people bothering him in the city and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he performs better away from Liverpool, in my opinion. Um, like I said, he, he's been the 0-2 um, against David Hayes last two fights and, and, and sent the crowd on the areas both times. So I think the O2 is definitely a, a favourite venue of Bellews and, and obviously, you know, with... Usyk will travel. Yeah, Matchroom's obviously London obligations as well. It'll be easy to put the fight on there for Sky yeah. and for Matchroom too. So if November 10th is the available data, I don't see Bellew having any issue with that whatsoever. But like I said, I think it's going to be the answer at the end, whether he can work his magic now and, and get some sort of confirmation done and 
what a fight it is to look forward to at the back end of the year. Absolutely, because that's a fight that goes in America, obviously, as well. I'm sure the zone or whatever <clears> will snap Eddie Earns' uh, hand off uh, to put that fight on. With Bellew, then, you know, I, I know him pretty well. You know him even better than me. Do you think this is it? Do you think this? Is, do you think win, lose, or draw against Usyk in November, if it can be done, will yeah, be his, I, his final I, fight? I don't think. I don't. What, think what he, else has he got left to achieve? Yeah, he Chris? can't. He can't top it if, he, if, he, if he's victorious. How does he top Even it? if he goes and fights Tyson Fury, which yeah. from now what we can see from the outside looking, it looks like Fury Wild is pretty much going to be done anyway for the new year. But even going on and beating Fury. Fury, who's only who's only had these two warm-up fights back, would that add to his legacy after Usyk? If he beats Usyk, Bellew, that's that's fucking bronze statue in this city time, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think obviously the the, the retirement talk's been there from since the first hay fight, so I don't know how we could top. Um, I didn't know how we could top the hay victories, to be honest. And obviously, Usyk goes and wins four titles, calls them out, and then all of a sudden there's another fight there to enhance his legacy. So. I don't know what he can do. Like I said, there's, the guy's a heavyweight. He, he's admitted to himself the likes of Joshua and, and Wilder maybe just be that that little bit too much big um, yeah. have the size advantage on him, which is fair enough because, as I said, he was essentially a cruiserweight going up there to, to fight another cruiserweight. Um, he, he made that clear when he first fought. Hey? So if he can get that down to a comfortable weight now, leave the sport as the, the number one cruiserweight with all the belts after beating a fighter as good as Yusuf, yeah. I don't know what he does um, after he died. Like I said, we mentioned the Fiori fight, but I just think to, to go out as the, the unified cruiserweight champion against someone like Yusuf, it, it's it's the fairy tale ending for him. Yeah, what a statement that would be. Yusuf's um, style, you know, I think he blew us all away with his with his performance against Gassiev. He blew <laughs> us away because we were expecting a fight of the year contender. Let's be honest, but he, he technically he was just superb. His footwork was different level. Um, is that something that will, will would lit a flame under Bellew as well? In the fact that he didn't come through a war with Gasayev, he he was absolutely outstanding, proved himself to be levels above. Is that the type of thing that that you think is you know you've spoken? Is that fired Bellew up? But he's thought oh, no one thinks I, I can touch this guy. I think the fight with Bell, I think the fight that Bellew's looking at is the Bradis fight from the the semi final in Latvia. That uh, was brilliant. Yeah, I think I think Bellew's under the impression that. He, he respected Gassiev a bit too much, and that's why he took the approach that he took. Um, didn't really take no risks, won the fight at distance. But with Bredis, there was a lot of exchanges. Um, in the article, um, there was a quote from Bellew saying that it shows that he fears and respects fighters differently. Um, the approach he took against Bredis was completely different to the one that he took against Gassiev in the final. Yeah. Now, Bellew's under the impression that Yusuf won't respect them as much as he as he did gotcha. Bradis. He'll fight him um, like he fought. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, as much as he fought as when he fought Gasayev, Bellew's under the impression that he won't respect them as much as, as what he did Gasayev. Yeah. It'll be a similar approach to what the, the Bradis fight was, which is I, I'm not I'm not too sure if Tony's right with that because like I said, I think I, I think I, to go into a fight and not respect Bellew and not respect his power would just mm-hmm. be suicide, I do. Um so if Bellew's happy to think that and, and, and go into the fight with that approach, then then obviously who am I to argue? But he's established himself as a massive puncher. Um, he's got better knockouts on his record than what Gassayev's got. Yeah. Um, obviously moving to heavyweight and stopping David Hay and what he'd done to Makabu. So anyone who's going to go into a fight and, and not respect Bellew's power, um, I just think that's career suicide. You, you, you're walking into a... A big trap. I think you're going to be very surprised um, how hard he hits. So I don't know if if, if Bellew wants to go in with that approach and he, he thinks Yusuf isn't going to respect him as much as he did Gassiev, then 
then so be it. But I think Usyk's preparing for the hardest fight of his life. If he if he fights Bellew, I really do. I, I think he respects him very much, and so he should. Even even in the fight against Gassiev, though, there was a t- you know it's not like Usyk never got caught once or twice. He did get caught once or twice. It's just Gassiev kind of run out of ideas, and he and he and he let it break him. <clears throat> You know, it's it's similar when we see you know another Ukrainian Lomachenko fight. These guys fight them, and the, the world champions they're at this level. And Gassiev looked like that as well. They're at this level, and then suddenly they get in with someone like Usyk or Lomachenko, and it breaks the heart to lose a lot of rounds. And you think, wow, wait a minute, these shots land on other guys. These sh- these shots wobble other guys. Well, Bellew's quite strong mentally. I don't think he. I think he could be six, even eight rounds down against Usyk without landing a single punch. And he wouldn't get desperate. He wouldn't get downhearted. He would. He would stay switched on mentally, because I, I truly believe, you know, one good shot from Bellew could the, end the show. Could the, end it. The, yeah, he's, he's got. He's got that equalizer always, Bellew. But <clears throat> I think you should probably be a little bit surprised how good a boxer Bellew is as well. He's got a brilliant brain. Um, he, he sets things up really well. Um, I, I just think. I I don't know. I think. If you was Bell you disappointed with Gassiev's performance? Yeah, like ma- we always. Yeah, massively. He, he yeah, massively yeah. disappointed. Uh, I, I think he expected a closer fight. He, he picked Yusuf from the beginning. Yeah. Um, he, he is a, he's a, a big fan of Yusuf. He's got a, a lot of respect for him. He sparred him when they were both amateurs too. So he is someone that he knows well. And you know what Bell usually like? like once, he, once he has that link to someone, he'll, he'll follow their whole career. He, yeah, he's, yeah. he's been like that. He, he knows... Um, the, the divisions he takes part in when he was a light heavyweight, he, he, he analyzes, he studies absolutely everything. Um, the top guys in the division, he done it again at cruiserweight. Um, you only had to look at the detail he went into when he when he fought David A. He knew everything about him, and it's the same with Yusuf. He knows everything about Yusuf, but I do think the Braders fight is the one he'll watch. I, yeah. I think I think he'll move away from the Gassiev fight because obviously it was sort of a. A non-committal effort yeah, yeah. from from Gassiev, yeah. and I think the Braders fight is the one where he'll take a lot of hope from because Braders did perform brilliantly in the fight. He he didn't give up. He, he went for it from the opening bell, and for the first ten rounds with the two rounds to go, it probably could have went either way. Absolutely, and I think Bell will take a lot of confidence from that because I, I was under the impression that if Bell was going to go for it, obviously he'll have a good plan with Dave Caldwell, but I'm I'm, I'm not sure if Bell would try and outbox him over twelve rounds. I think. And I think he'd, he'd realise his, his capabilities. It'd be hard to do that to someone as as talented as Yusuf. But maybe just fly out for the fourth, first four or five rounds, gamble, get a lead, and just see where it takes him. But with Bellew and Carwell, they'll have a plan. Um, like I said, they always do. They, they get on brilliantly. Yeah. Dave's just as studious as what Bellew is. Um, he'll know Yusuf very well as well. Once this fight's been, if it gets announced, if it gets to that stage, fingers crossed, we do get to see the fight. Dave will do his homework and he'll have Bellew prepared very diligently for the fight. I'm, I'm 100% certain of that. In terms of Usyk then, people might be thinking, why is Usyk calling out Tony Bellew? You know, Tony Bellew never went in the tournament. He went and fought David Hay instead. And financially and obviously legacy-wise, that, that certainly paid off for him. Usyk then is, in my opinion, wants Bellew as a sign-off to the cruiserweight division. He wants Bellew as a springboard to the heavyweight division. So he takes Bellew's, effectively Bellew's heavyweight ranking. Because even though Bellew's come out and said, listen, my future's not a heavyweight. I'm not fighting the Anthony Joshua's and Deontay Wilder's of this world. That doesn't stop him being ranked in the top 10 in the heavyweight division. But if Usyk can beat Bellew, that springboards his career. And it springboards what I suggest could be a big threat to Anthony Joshua's long-term legacy. Yeah, it, it's it's developing that relationship with the, the UK audience and, and obviously developing it with Eddie Ayn and Matchroom. Whether he sees Bellew as, like you said, a stepping stone to a potential fight with Anthony Joshua, 
if that's the case, then fighting someone like Bellew is not the, the worst idea to get the, the UK audience to, to know who you are. Yusuk should be known by everyone now. He, he really should. His, his accomplishments, what he's done in this tournament, the, the way he's won it, yeah, exactly. yeah, his victories, um, he, he should be known by everyone. It's, it's criminal that he's not. But I think, obviously, if he, if he signs to fight Tony Bellew, then people are going to be aware of him in this country. And obviously, he'll have one eye on the Anthony Joshua fight. He's made that clear. He's performed a heavyweight in the um, the World Boxing Series as an amateur. He fought Joe Joyce there, who's, who's now a heavyweight prospect and won with the, the utmost of ease. So, yeah. like I said, he, he'll be very confident he can go to heavyweight because he, he's done it before. But I think now he, he's won the titles... He's, he's got a tiny bit of a profile from winning them titles and obviously winning the Muhammad Ali Trophy. He'll want to exploit that now and, and capitalise on it. Coming over to the UK where boxing's absolutely massive at the moment, yeah. fighting on a platform like Sky, Sky Box Office. Money. Want some of that Tony That's, money? Yeah, and, and then obviously if he's victorious against Bellew, then people are going to clamour for a, an Anthony Joshua fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's come back to the to the boxing this past weekend then because there was a obviously a big matchroom card down in Cardiff, uh, the Ice Arena in <coughs> Wales. It was the homecoming of Joe Cordina after so many undercards on these big shows. Joe Cordina finally got his chance in the spotlight. It was his eighth professional fight and he won the Commonwealth, the vacant Commonwealth title um, with a bit of a shutout performance against Sean Masher-Dodd, not far from these shores, of course. Um, in terms of Joe Cordina, Chris... This trend of these GB Olympians, you know, these former GB standouts, they're not fucking about no more, are they? You know, this was Joe Cordina's eighth fight, Commonwealth champion. Josh Kelly, seven fights, Commonwealth champion. Lawrence Acoli, nine fights, Commonwealth champion. Joe Joyce, four fights, Commonwealth champion. It's Is it the Lomachenko effect now? Are we seeing this more and more? Because, like, like you know what? I'm an accomplished amateur. I'm world class. I've been to the Olympics, everything else. Don't fuck about. Get me a belt. I think it's the, the style the amateurs fight now as well. I think, obviously, you mentioned Lomachenko there. Um, obviously, when that happened, I think it did open the floodgates for new professionals who were brilliant amateurs to test themselves a lot early in the career. Um, so you go back over the years, how long it, it took fighters like Amir Khan and, and yeah. obviously even, even Lennox Lewis to some extent how, for, for them to face their real test. Now they're fighting for the, the Commonwealth titles, like you said, just early on, but... I think now with the, the three-minute rounds, the egg guards coming off, um, I think the World Series of Boxing is a big thing as well, yeah, fighting yeah. five three-minute rounds. Um, I do think, obviously, the it's it's there's, there's, there's no point going over all ground. I think to be a an elite amateur preparing for other elite amateurs and then to get into the professional ring and fight, obviously, someone from Latvia, Georgia, the Hungarians, who we're used to seeing getting brought over as sacrificial lambs for or, or, obviously top prospects. I think people are just a little bit wise to it now as well. Yeah. Um, I think the boxers are wise to it. I think the, they're, ex, they're exposed to professional boxing a lot more now with the, the coverage it's receiving. So it's it's only good. And as I said, Cordino will learn so much from that fight Saturday night. Yeah. Obviously going 12 rounds against someone like Masha Dodd. And it is, it's, it's, it's getting them to a level a lot quicker, but it's where they deserve to be. They were star amateurs, don't waste no time, obviously, just going over, winning fights that they're not going to learn nothing from and, and ju- ju- just get them in them fights straight away. Yeah, absolutely. Funny when you look at it that, like that, though, when you look at a body of work, Rob, yes, it was Joe Cordina's eighth pro fight against Sean Mashadod, who was having his 20th pro fight. So on paper, you think, oh, it's a big step up for Cordina, the experiences <clears throat> with Mashad, all that kind of stuff. 
But Sean Dodd had 17 amateur fights, whereas Joe Cordina had over 50 amateur fights at as high as the Olympic level. Yeah, so when you look at it like that, the experience is actually with, with Cordina rather than with Dodd. Yeah, well, I said, there's nothing wrong. Like, there is professionals who, who need to learn on the job. There is, like, like I said, 17 fights for Masha. You're turning him pro and you can't expect Inter to go straight into the lines then straight away. Yeah. He's still got to learn because he hasn't finished learning from when he was an amateur. Um, you get some people who are just suited to the pros. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, that that's the case with Masha, but a, a lot of fighters, they're aggressive, they come forward. Um, for a long time, especially obviously we go back to when we first started watching amateur boxing, Nick, when it was four two-minute rounds yeah. and it was on the computer. It, it, it was just like a, a fencing, a that's game right. of tick. That's how it used to be. And they, they, they'd go professional and, and they've got to adjust so much change the style completely it's like starting from scratch yeah that doesn't happen as much now like i said no. i think the, the 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 bond between amateur boxing and professional boxing now is a lot closer than what it used to be pros are spa- sparring amateurs a lot more now um so i'm gyms as well that's it yeah pro am gyms has got a number in our city so i, I do think that it, it is there now like i said if, if fighters who haven't had an amateur experience need to learn on the job so be it but star amateurs that we've named I think, like obviously, the experience they've built up and the way amateur boxing's set up now, they can just jump in head first into the pro game. I believe. Yeah, there's some crackers, as you say, from that GB setup. Where does where does Cordina rank with your favourites, the likes of Kelly and Buatzi and Acoli and you know Dubois? All these all these young lads now who are novice pros, but have got this incredible amateur background. They're doing so well. Uh, from, obviously, that was a breakout performance by Cordina. What I liked most of all is that he didn't get desperate. He didn't play to the crowd. He, he just stuck to his job. He realised Masha Dodd was <clears throat> ample. He realised he was getting quality rounds in the bank. And he and he saved it up. And, he, and at the end of every round, the two of them were touching gloves and laughing and slapping each other on the back. It was like both of them enjoyed the work. But for Cordina, that's like... That's money in the bank, them 12 rounds. Yeah, I, th- I think on paper, I'd say probably Cordina's win the weekend was... Obviously, the, the value of that victory, because I said, even though Masha lost his last fight against Tommy Coyle, he'd been in with Scott Cardle twice, who yeah. was another very good amateur who like won the British title. Um, I think Akoli, um, he's probably the one who's... And I know we get a lot of criticism for his style. Yeah. Um, he's still very rough around the edges, but he's answering questions emphatically. Um, like I said, he's only had a handful of fights... And he, he's been in big fights as well. Well, that's the difference, you see, with the others. I think Boatsy, Kelly, Cordina, you know, the list goes on. There's so much talent there. But for me, Akoli's the one that's taking big fights. Yeah. Southern area title fights, big pressure, you know, your call, Derby style, you know, loads of press conference antics. He's getting that in the bank where the others aren't getting that experience. Yeah. Even the fight with, um, was it with Chamberlain? Yeah, yeah, that, that was a headliner at the at the O2. So obviously yeah. you, you can't buy that experience. But you touched on with Dodd there that the lack of amateur experience he had. It's the same with a colleague. He, he wasn't like a an amateur who had like 60, 70 fights. It, it, it was very similar to when, when Joshua started and, and he went the Olympics on the, the back of a um obviously a minimal amateur experience. So a colleague essentially is, is is still learning on the job. Yeah. Um he, he had a, a, a very good um, performance in the Olympics and he looked explosive but the, the way he's been matched as I said I think he's mandatory now for, for Matty Askin um, yeah, yeah. with the British and that's another obviously necessary step that he needs to take that's another good fight but I think I think Akoli's the one who stood out I think I think with Josh Kelly I, I don't know he's impressed me Josh but I think the, the, the plaudits are a bit too much I think they need to slow down slightly yeah. I don't know if it's his relationship with, with, with Adam um, Booth or the fact he's a 
he's a handsome lad and he, he's well supported in Newcastle. But I think I think the hype that he's received compared to the others, I don't think it's been justified. Yeah. Um, I think Cordina's win the weekend um, was, a, was a very good win. Of course, he's had some good wins. But I, I, I just think with Kelly, I'd like just to see him just maybe just 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 let him get on, just progress naturally. Um, because I think the hype that they are giving him obviously just just could be a, a little bit detrimental at one point. Yeah, I'd like to see Kelly fight overseas. Me, I think that would really bring out of him as well. A nice fight in America would be good. We're talking there about obviously GB uh, Olympians who have advanced quickly, certainly in the male side of sport and doing brilliantly. You know why hold them back? The flip side of the coin, though, Chris was on this undercard where we saw, you know, a, a girl we both know well, Natasha Jonas. In her seventh fight, get moved up again quickly. A former world title challenger, Vivian Obernauf. You know, this fight at the weekend was set up perfectly for Tasha to win the interim WBA belt, to push on for a world title fight before the end of the year. And then there was obviously already talk of this Katie Taylor rematch, which, by the way, it's the anniversary of the Katie Taylor Natasha Jonas semi final from the Olympics in 2012. Today, we thought on paper it was. It was fine. Let's move it quickly. Let's do it fast. But in 12 months, Chris, she's now had seven fights. She lost at the weekend and she lost quite dramatically as well. I've got to be honest. Yeah, it was it was unpleasant viewing as well. It was obviously the way Natasha lost it. It, it wasn't nice to see. Um, I don't think she was she was at the races from the opening bell. Yeah, um, down three times. Yeah, it, it was like sometimes you can see a fight and they've got like eight or nine rounds in the bank and, and, and they just get caught and... They can put that down just to a, a moment's lapse in concentration or something like that. But Natasha was pretty much beaten from the first bell. Um, she never looked comfortable in there. Um, I think the style of Obanoff was very unorthodox as well. Yeah. Um, like I said, she 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 didn't really do the basics well, but she was busy. She threw a lot of punches. Yeah. And it was like it was like she had this n- weird run forward unload yeah, just, like marauding style. Just letting her hands go. And but it, but it, shouldn't the girl who's been the Olympics like Tash shouldn't they be able to handle that kind of pressure though? You know, I, stepping I, off, just step to the side and I think maybe it might have been a style that she's just not accustomed to. Um because yeah. it, it's it's not you a wouldn't star teach that, an amateur to box yeah, like you, that. You, much, you, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't see a star that often, but it was like, I, I, I just thought she just didn't seem seem right from the opening bell. And like I said, the first round went and, and I thought she lost the first round and then you thought maybe she'll grow into the fight. And then when she went down, I, it, I, said, I said to you when we spoke over the weekend, it, it reminded me of when David Price went down against um, Tony Thompson mm. in the first fight. It didn't look a heavy shot. It didn't. It, it looked like she'd been bundled to the ground. And then obviously when you've seen her on the floor and a, a, a leg, obviously you could see her legs had gone... And then she got up and, and and she continued to fight and but the the, the minutes rest wasn't enough. Like, like I said, yeah. I think especially with the two minute rounds in in female boxing, um, if you do get caught, obviously towards the end of the round you haven't got long to survive. It, it's not like you've got to put up with the the three minutes, but the the minutes rest just wasn't enough for it. And I, I was glad to see the towel come in to be honest, because when she was on them ropes, um, like I said, she was taking some very big shots, shots that she wasn't answering back. I think the referee was on the, the the process of stopping the fight anyway, but it, it was a good decision by Joe Gargler to throw the towel in. But it, it, it's going to be hard for Tasha to come back from that. I really, yeah, yeah. I, I hope she can do it. Um, because I said she, she's a lovely lady and she's represented Merseyside boxing so well as an amateur and pro. But I think Saturday night just looked a very very hard fight. It's one of them fights that obviously you, you wonder whether she can come back from it. But mm. I, I really hope she can. I said, we're big advocates, of course. We've just been talking about it of moving these Olympians on quickly and then moving them, you know, into the right title fight at the right time. Is she, is do you think Natasha has ultimately struggled by the fact that 
there's no real domestic championship route in women's boxing. You know, we're talking about the likes of Cordina and Kelly and Buatzi and all these guys who have gone Commonwealth title inside seven, eight, nine fights. It's great. But the Commonwealth title and the British title, very much domestic, the best domestic belts. And then, you know, after that, you start looking towards world titles when you get into double figures and things. You, you know, you're moving. There's a, there's a set course to go in women's boxing. There's no British title. There's no Commonwealth title. Certainly not that I know of. You know, it seems like Natasha and Katie Taylor get a half a dozen fights in the bank. Bang, let's get in an eliminator. Bang, let's get into a world title fight. I'm moving that quickly. No, don't forget, unlike Katie Taylor, who, you know, dominated at the Olympic Games, done everything as an amateur, turned pro, she had, okay, she only had half a dozen fights before she got into world class, but there was no respite, Chris. There was no stop there. Tasha went and had a baby. She actually didn't put boxing gloves on for about five years. I think that's the biggest issue with Natasha. I do. I think that break, because look at someone like Tyson Fury. He, he was at the top of the game. He beat Klitschko. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. And he took that length of time out and he was massive doubts about someone who was heavyweight champion of the world. Now, with Natasha, she was an amateur. She, she, she left the Olympics in 2012 and then she's done her own thing for such a, a long amount of time. Like I said, you've seen it happen with, with people like Mikey Garcia. They took breaks, but these are guys who were in the gym. Yeah. They were sparring. They were, they were still keeping fit. I, I don't know what Natasha's done in that five years, but I don't think she's been in... In no. gyms, sparring. I know and, she was going around schools and businesses and motivational like, speaking yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but that's a big difference from putting gloves on and sparring every other week. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, it was a very long time to take out the, to take out the ring. Like I said, five years is a, a long time in, in, in any in any walk of life, no matter what job you do. You, you walk away from your job and go back to it for five, like five years later. It, it's going to take you a while to get accustomed to it. But I think with Tasha, like I said, she, and I, I know there's, there's no domestic title route or Commonwealth title route, anything like that, but she she's probably had the best coaching a, a female boxer can get in, in this in this country. Um, the setup down in Sheffield, the people she's had around her, that gym she's in now with Joe Gallagher and, and the people she's got there, the education she's received and, 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 and the training she's received, you still expect her to, to do a job on a, a fighter, the, the calibre of yeah. a Vivian Obanoff, a... a she looks a, look quite raw. A, a solid campaigner who's been in with good names, but you, you still would expect Natasha to be a, a, a level above her. Maybe have a, a few rocky moments or a, a couple of rounds where like she, she might need to take a look at her, but I, I, I just couldn't believe, obviously, what I was watching. It was a monumental upset. I, I just don't think Natasha seemed right from the very start. The, the moment the first knockdown occurred, it was pretty much over then, and it, I said it was unpleasant viewing, and I do really hope she can rebound from it. Yeah, obviously, we'll try and get Tasha on the show in the next couple of weeks to uh, have a chat and a bit of a catch-up with her. Incidentally, one of the first people to message me was Molly McCann, the UFC fighter, also from Liverpool, <coughs> who, uh, who lost her UFC debut at UFC Liverpool. She messaged me saying how much she felt for Tasha, and uh, hopefully both those girls can, uh, can can bounce back in style. Just before we move on from Cardiff, Chris, anything else off this card jump out at you? Obviously, we've seen the, pro- the UK debut of Anthony Sims Jr., Looks like a, a, a talented kid. Yulenisev? Um, I can't even pronounce this kid's name. Yeah, Yulenisev. Yulenisev. Um, I, you know, I wasn't that impressed with him. I've got to be honest with you. He doesn't half yeah. load up on his shots. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I think I think he looks the, the consummate anima, amateur. Sorry. Um, mm. I don't think he's going to really do anything as a professional. No. Um, maybe we're being a bit too harsh on him after three fights. 
Um, but I, I wouldn't it's be surprised. Fluid about his work at all, is I there? wouldn't be surprised to see him get fast track now, just just to see how how good he is, and maybe the if the level of opponents increases, obviously his performance is my because every time I've watched him, he, he just doesn't stand out. He, he I thought Matthew Macklin was pretty accurate with his assessments on him after the um, after the final bell. He was there doing punditry for Sky, and he, he was. A lot of people on social media were saying Macklin was harsh, but I thought Macklin was spot on. Yeah. It wasn't a good performance, and it's certainly not the performance you'd expect from someone as a decorated, yeah, decorated yeah, amateur as, as how yeah. good he was. In regards to Sims, um, it's probably thought, the first time most UK fans yeah, have seen him. I, I thought Sims done okay. Um, I, I, I think that the talk of fighting for a world title in a couple of fights was premature, especially yeah. in the light heavyweight division, um, where there's a, a lot of scary names I, I I don't think he'll the any of the top guys will lose sleep over him at the moment no obviously he was I seen stuff on his um Coogan Cassius Eiffel TV about what fighting um talking about fighting Anthony Yard and, and, and names like that they're natural fights to me because I, st- I still think he's sort of at that level now absolutely um maybe climbing the world rankings but I think anyone in the top 10 at light heavyweight um People like Marcus Brown and, and, and guys like that, yeah. they'll have no worries. They won't lose no sleep over Sims at the moment. But like I said, he, he speaks well. He's a bit of a character, so it'll be interesting just to see his rise. But I think at the moment, I think any talk of world titles a little bit far-fetched at the moment. Yeah, interesting addition, certainly, to that match team stable. Um, again, I just want to mention my boy as well, my prospect of 2018, Jordan Gill. Uh, another big win at the weekend, first-round knockout. We fast-track now towards... His own Commonwealth title shot down a featherweight. Hopefully that will happen. I think it's up most October, is that right, Chris? You've heard Jordan Gill? Yeah, I think he's fighting Ryan Doyle. Ryan um, Doyle, isn't it? I speak yeah. with Jordan quite a bit. He's a, he's, a, he's a lovely man. He's a gentleman. He is, he's good. Oh, we mentioned last week as well about Jordan's clothing line. Stick Next week's show, next bo- <laughs> next week's boxing show, I promise you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a discount code off Jordan. We'll bang it on the show as clothing lines ace. Anyway, sorry, Chris. Yeah, so I think I think they're looking at Ryan Doyle um, yeah. for the Commonwealth t- title. Um, I think the the, the trajectory he wanted to take um, Gill on was actually Reese Bellotti. That was the fight they were That's talking right. about. Um, obviously Doyle, later in the year, obviously Doyle, Doyle set the ship. Yeah, on the the next gen show, Doyle um, put in a great performance. But Doyle's someone I've watched for many years. He's, he's a good fighter. He, Jordan's trained by Dave Caldwell, but Doyle actually come up on Caldwell shows when he used yeah, to put yeah. shows on in the bowls in Manchester. So Doyle's someone who Dave will, will, will know very, very well. So I think Jordan's got that that opportunity in October. I don't know what date. I know they were looking at October the 20th, but depending on when Gavin McDonnell fights for the world title, yeah. um, that fight might be have to be put back. But I think they're looking at October the 6th for Gavin, so if they can still do Jordan and Doyle on the October the 20th, and October's going to be quite a busy month for Dave Caldwell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on from from Cardiff, then let's switch over to the USA. And uh, first of all, I want to talk about a fight that we didn't even get to see in this country. Obviously, I've seen it. Chris has seen it. We we've had to find a stream for it, an illegal stream. Can't believe this wasn't on Box Nation. And yet, Tevin Farmer was on Box Nation. But we'll come on to that in a minute. Obviously, I'm talking about Sergei Kovalev, Crusher, who was crushed. Inside seven rounds, lost his WBO light heavyweight title uh, against Alanda Alvarez. Uh, massive upset, I think, for most fans from the outside looking in who weren't familiar with who Alvarez was. But we knew he was a threat. We knew it was going to be a, a a tough push for 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 Kovalev. In the aftermath, Chris Kovalev's come out and he's blamed the fact that he was in camp for twelve weeks. He had a three month training camp. But to be honest, watching it back, I, I, you know. I, 
he, he was just getting teed off against. I thought Alvarez, for me, was just doing the basics, but was just sharper, quicker, more powerful. That jab, he kept snapping Kovalev's head back with it. And for the first four or five rounds, Chris, all he did was go. It reminded me of Derry Matthews. Um, remember when he won the WBU against John Simpson in Manchester? All he did was throw two shots. A left, a left jab and a straight right. And that's how Derry Matthews beat John Simpson that night. It wasn't John Simpson, was it? It was the kid from Manchester whose dad was the Viking. Steve Foster. Steve Foster. Steve Foster, Steve Foster, Foster yeah. he beat, yeah, back back in the A-Day. That's what he did for the first five rounds. And then once he got Kovalev hit, he just started unloading big hooks. And, you know, I know Kovalev's a big favourite of yours, but it, was, it, it made some tough viewing. But I felt like the Andre Ward fights now feel like a million years away. Yeah, that, I've, I've made no secret. Um about how I feel about Kovalev, he, he, he's my favourite fighter, um, international fighter. Oh, you must have been uh, proper tears then Sunday morning. Yeah, it, it was. I thought he'd done okay for the first five or six rounds. I, I, I didn't think there was anything to worry about. Um, I thought he'd win the fight comfortably. Um, I think like the stuff people were saying about Alvarez be, beforehand just just wasn't justified. But I, I do worry about his stamina now, Kovalev, because I watched the interview with Kathy Duva, mm-hmm. um, Kovalev's manager, afterwards, and she said she felt great watching it for six rounds, but she couldn't relax until um, he got to like the seventh and eighth and ninth rounds and felt okay. Now, if that's his manager saying that, then yeah, I do yeah. think there's maybe some issues there about his stamina. If, if um, he's done a 12-week camp, how can it? Either he's burned himself out in the gym then, that's what that would suggest. There's always an excuse with Kovalev these days. Like I said, I've made no secrets about how I feel about him as a fighter. He, he, he certainly um, kept me entertained for the last few years, but I do notice there's, there's, there's an excuse for him every single time. He's blamed trainers. He, he fought with John David Jackson infamously. infamously sorry. Um, so there always, there always seems to be an excuse for him. Um, the Ward fights was exactly the same. But I, I do think now for, for Kathy Duva to come out and say that she felt nervous after it had gone past halfway, I do think there's some stamina issues there now. I don't know if it's obviously fights as a target on his body more because of what Andre Ward done. But this was a fight to do who went 12 fast rounds with Bernard Hopkins, who, yeah, yeah, who yeah. beat him up. And I, I said, I just I don't know whether the hunger's still there. That, that That's an opinion that, that, that Tony Bellew's got when I've spoke with him. He thinks once he made the, the money from the, the, Ward, the, Ward, the fights. Ward fights that... I think he's still down because I thought he won the ward fight, the first ward yeah, fight. I thought he won yeah, it. Yeah, I, I thought he won it clearly. Um, I really do. And obviously, there can be no complaints about the second one. There can be no complaints about Saturday night. But I don't know. I think he, he, he's got a big decision to make. Kovalev. I know he's part of a. I think he's got a free fight um, deal with HBO. Yeah. And I think Saturday's fight was only the first fight. Whether HBO have got options to to pull that, depending on the results, it's going to be interesting. But. I think he can take enough from the first five or six rounds to believe he could do better in a rematch. Whether he beat Alvarez in a rematch, that that that's a, a different proposition altogether. But I know the end game's a big fight with Bivol. Well, of course, um, that's what that, 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 that was. That, well, Bivol for me was the biggest loser on yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, that, that was rumored for for December at Madison Square Garden. Bivol did his part. He, yeah, he won in his co-main fight. So, so I don't know. I don't know. If we can maybe get the maybe the second fight of that deal, get a rematch with Alvarez, correct? Try and put Bivol. And then, and then get the the Bivol match because that that probably still is a big fight for absolutely for, he, Rus- for if, Russian fight fans. Well, of course, if Kovalev can bounce back and get the win, but the problem is the manner of the win for Alvarez at the weekend. I don't think Kovalev starts as favourite in, in no rematch. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with that. It, it's just when you watched him like a, a number of years ago when he was destroying everyone and yeah. and, and obviously the way he beat Bernard Hopkins and he, he was just I said even the first like six rounds of the Ward fight. Um, 
would you ever think like he, he would have had like two stoppage losses like from from his last four fights? It's 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 quite disturbing. It's not nice to see. Like I said, it's um, uh, a lot of people have taken some satisfaction from it, some joy from it. Like obviously the calling him a, a bully, and now he's, he's he's being bullied back. He doesn't like it, but. Kovalev was box office for so long. He's exactly what five fans should want from boxing. He got yeah. in there. Did it the hard way as no, well. No nonsense. No man- um, When he first went to America, yeah, no, no manager, manager yeah. no promoter on um, small old shows. Well, I, I think he, he, he for, for, for one point, he, he was everything that was good about boxing. So to see him on, on, on Sunday morning just stretched out like that, it, it wasn't nice. And I, I really hope he can just come back from it and maybe have one last big performance. Yeah, I, I think uh, the potential for a fight with with Ward as well. He's just signed a two fight two year deal with ESPN. Andre Ward. I don't know if to work as commentator or what, but yeah, you know, he's he's getting back into boxing. Cause he, cause that would have still been there. You know, you're talking about a three fight deal. He beats Alvarez, he beats Bivol, then Ward coming back would have yeah. been the perfect one. But I I don't know. I, to be honest, after the performance like that, I don't know whether we see Kovalev in the ring ever again, unfortunately. Um anyone who didn't see it, unfortunately you're gonna have to grab a screen a stream like we did because uh Box Nation, for whatever reason, um, decided to show Tevin Farmer against Billy Dibb. Obviously, it gives us the opportunity to watch Tevin Farmer become the new IBF Super, super Featherweight Champion. Uh, Billy Dibb, uh, one of the best boxers from Australia uh, in, in history, uh, announced his retirement after the fight. Amazing story, though, Chris, from, from, from Tarva. Who's farmer, farmer, a farmer, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's this Tevin thing, you know what? I always think... Did his ma get him christened and the woman Miss Ada when she registered his name? <laughs> Who the fuck's called Tevin? Come on, that's not a real name, is it? Tevin Farmer. Anyway, Farmer becomes the uh, the IBF champ. Lost four of his first 12. And there was a draw in there as well, Chris. He's, and I think he's like 19, 18 fights straight now. The Nagawa fight got turned over, he fell. But 19 fights straight, wins since then, becomes world champion. This is a fucking rocky story, this kid's living. Yeah, then he's about to land the big fight next as well, like I said. We've seen he called out Javonta Davis. Yeah, there's a lot of options there for him, but obviously we know John Evans well. He's a friend of the show, and he gets on with Tevin Farmer superbly. They get on great. I think John's done stories on him before, and John's got nothing but nice words to say for him. So I was actually rooting for Tevin. Um on, on Friday afternoon, yeah, yeah. obviously, when we were watching it here because it was live in Australia. But, yeah, it's, it's a miraculous story. And he's a good fighter, like I said. It, 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 it's someone who's, who's learned from his losses, uh, an unbeaten record is and everything. Um, I, I know TV like it and, and promoters like it, but farmers proof that, obviously, a number of defeats don't have to, to mean the end of the world, especially early in your career. He's gone away, he's learned, and, and, and now he's reaping the rewards. He's world champion and... He stands on the verge of a, a very big fight and the exchanges that he's been having with Javonta Davis should create a little bit of a buzz and a little interest and it's, it's a good fight, I think. It is, yeah. It's a good little weight division around there as well. Like It's like resurgence of, a, of American boxing in around this weight class. There's so many good young Americans coming through. Uh, another winner, winner at the weekend, again, we couldn't see it on British TV. It wasn't on Box Nation, unfortunately. But I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Andre Berto. I remember when Andre Berto was being billed as the next big thing, the next big superstar of of American boxing. Um, he had a, a, a point win against Devon Alexander on Saturday night. Uh, climbed up off the floor in the third round. Still only 34, Berto. That freaks me out when I see that, Chris. Because I feel like he's been around for about 20 years. Yeah, but Berto was always on the cusp, wasn't he? I remember he was due to fight Shane Mosley. Um, that would have been the fight that obviously would have yeah. propelled him a little further and that fight got called off. But he, he is someone who just who just won't go away. And obviously it's the same with Alexander as well to an extent. Um, he's someone who's been around for a very long time. But it was a 
Dapeto fight was a, another upset the weekend. He was he was quite a few. Obviously Alvarez was a, a yeah. big underdog. Berto was an underdog. We had um, the Natasha Jones upset. So Berto against um, Alexander. It's, it's it's a fight I've not, I've not seen yet. Um, I haven't been able to pick it up online, but it, it was a shock. I, I did expect yeah. Alexander to to, to do a, a little bit of a job on Berto because he always seems to fall short at, 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 at that level. He, he's provided a lot of entertainment. Was fight with. Ortiz and obviously he had his big payday against Mayweather so he was someone who was known but I do think that um, it was, it's 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 going to get him another payday probably another world title fight in the world division. Maybe. Do you think yeah, a Browner fight yeah, makes perhaps, sense? Yeah, like I said, the, the them PBC guys they, they, they look after each other, don't they? Um, the, the money sort of like stays in the pot and, and, and they all fight each other so like I said, he's given himself the opportunity of another payday and it's probably something that Alexander's missed out on now so Berto just keeps going from strength to strength, and while he's um, getting these victories, he'll he'll get another big fight. Would the Broner fight? Would that work as a final eliminator? It probably would, wouldn't it? I think if he fights Broner next, I think whoever wins that would get a world title fight, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think I don't want to see Broner at a welterweight. If I'm being honest, um, he just won't leave that division, though. Um, yeah. Like I said, there's, there's 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 names there for him. Obviously, he's linked to fights at one forty, um, so. I don't know. I said it's 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 the PBC. They're going to keep the fights in house. So whether Berto wants that fight for the money or maybe wants to pursue a world title fight, he's he's given himself a good chance with his performance the weekend. Yeah, not half. Uh, in other news, top rank. Um, I think over the weekend signed a seven-year deal with ESPN. Obviously, they, they've had a good relationship for a long time anyway, but seven-year deal includes 54 fights a year, which is going to be split across main ESPN in America and also ESPN+, Plus, which is their new streaming service. Massive move, this. You know, it's, it's a massive deal, seven years, incredible. Massive commitment from ESPN and the Disney group to, to boxing. ESPN, incidentally, have just in America, they've just got the contract for UFC <coughs> as well. So, you know, very much the home of fight sports alongside the zone, you know, with with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn and the zone, of course, I've got World Boxing Super Series and then they've got the junior, you know, the, the lesser version of the UFC with Bellator. This has got to be good for us as fight fans, isn't it, Chris? I know these contracts are for America, <coughs> but the spin-offs of all these fights, this is what we want, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the ESPN deal with Top Rank I think that that's been born out of Eddie's relationship the with the zone, yeah. and it's it's something I predicted would happen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see HBO and Showtime hand similar deals to to the promoters they're dealing with, because the way Eddie's just gone in and and obviously the length threw of the his deal balls on the table. Let's be honest. Yeah, he literally the, gone in, threw his balls on the table, and gone boom. Look at this. The length of the deal, the amount of money involved, the amount of fights involved, that was always going to make people like Bob Arum, Della Oya, Al Eamon go to their TV companies and say, listen, that's what the zone's given Eddie. What can you give us? Yeah. So far, ESPN have done it. They, they, they've they backed the, the guys that they're with, Top Rank. Um, Top Rank's history in the sports goes without saying. The, Absolutely. The, the have, ESPN will have no issues whatsoever backing them. Um, we, we've touched on the subject of Box Nation not showing fights from the weekend, but I think they've got an exclusive deal with Top Rank. Um, and I think a number of the shows in that deal are actually going to be the Frank Warren shows that are on BT. Um, in regards to the international content, and I'm assuming that Box Nation will get the ESPN shows, the, um, the ESPN Plus the, shows, the American shows yet. So yeah. that's probably one plus that Box Nation have come out of it with. But I think Golden Boy will get a similar deal soon. I think PBC um, they'll get a similar deal because the, these TV companies and promoters in America, the 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 very sharp people and. Obviously, I think someone like Eddie going in and getting a deal with the zone that'll make a lot of people sit up and take notice and basically say you're not coming to 
our country and, and, and taking our TV deals. And like I said, that's top rank and matchroom pretty much sewn up now for the next seven or eight years. Yeah. The other promoters have got to follow suit now, otherwise they're going to fall behind. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? You know, we talk about on this show all the time it being the golden age of boxing, but it's not just in the UK, it's over in the US as well. What what are they lacking in the US now then? Are they lacking at Anthony Joshua? Are they lacking someone to replace Floyd Mayweather as a, as a big pay-per-view draw? It's it's hard to put your... You know, top I, rank have got two of the best fighters on the planet. You know, I don't yeah. I don't include Manny Pacquiao anymore, unfortunately. I think he's at the tail end of his career. But Lomachenko and Terence Crawford, they're, they're top rank's two flagship fighters. Yet they're not pay-per-view stars, even in America. I, I, can't, I can't put my finger on it, really. It, it's I think boxing's competing with a, a, a lot of things these days. You go back to, like, years and years ago, it probably just had, like, your typical American sports to compete with, baseball basketball and, and, and NFL. But nowadays, it's like people view entertainment in so many different ways, like streaming, um, Netflix, things yeah. like that. It, it, it It's hard to, to, to commit just to, to one thing. And, and people would have bought, like, like, when Frank Warren done the deal with Sky in the 90s and, and HBO done the deal with Don King in the 80s, it was, boxing was massive then. It really was. It, it stood up and took notice. But I think Eddie Hearn's done his, done his finger yet to, to make it popular. I don't think he always gets it right, but one thing he's certainly done is, is put boxing on the mainstream here, and I think promoters in America have seen that now, and they are trying to look at the way he's done it. Um, obviously, interaction with fans, the the stuff he does with Sky Sports News and stuff like that. So I think when I speak with people from America, Nick, you know, through like the work I do with boxing news, whether it's promoters, um, fighters, the fighters want to fight over here now. Yeah, the, yeah. the promoters praise the work that Eddie's done in the UK. It, 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 he has made people sit up and take notice, but it, it, it's something's got to change. Like I said, to make boxing a mainstream sport in America, I, I think, obviously, we, we do need more access to the boxers, um, the personalities. Um, it, 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 the best fights have got to be made as well. That, that That's the biggest thing. You'd always find it if, when the best fight the best. Um, it, it's, they usually are good fights and they get people talking. Boxing's never really done that on a consistent basis. No. We, we've had years where, like I said, 2017 was a prime example, one of the best boxing years there was because there were so many good fights and it got people buzzing. But you can't just do it for one year. You, you've got to do it consistently. Is this going to make it worse then? The fact that Top Rank are signing these kind of deals and you're yeah. saying obviously Golden Boy will be looking to announce their big deal soon. Is this going to make it worse? Because obviously... Anthony Joshua ain't going to fight anywhere in America except on the zone or in yeah, Sky Sports. It is. It's, 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 it's the problem that we've always had. Like I said, the, you can count on a, on, on, on two hands the when, when HBO and Showtime are running things in America. The guys never used to fight each other, ever. Never yeah. used to fight each other. We missed out on so many good fights, but when, they, when the fights did happen, they were big events. But promoters have got to put egos to the side. TV have got to put egos to the side and, and, and just make the good fights. There's always a way around. There is, like I said, when you can get people like Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis, when you can get the the issues they had in them fights, obviously the stuff with Vegas and, and the TV networks they represented, mm-hmm. if you can get them two in a room and get them to fresh a deal out, you can do it with anyone. If Don King and Bob Adam can do deals, anyone can. Yeah. But it's down to the promoters and TV to sit down because you, you, you'd have hit the nail on the head. Like I said, it is worrying. So many good fighters being on one platform, so many fighters being on another. Um, both TV companies and promoters are going to want, want, want the power. But like I said, I think 
We've seen Frank Warren just back off. Con- yeah, Billy Joe. yeah, yeah. He, he, he conceded the, yeah. the the platform. And that's um, that's listen. That's no slight on Frank. Yeah, that, we that's applaud it. that as yeah, fight fans. That's yeah, that's, we want to see the best see. fight. That's brilliant. More of that, like I said, if egos and, and can just be left at the door, do the right deal for the fighters, the right deal for the fans, then boxing can continue to prosper. But at the moment, like I said, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years because I think these promoters, the money that's involved now, they've got obligations to the TV companies who are essentially paying the wages. So, But I like it, that, though. I like the fact that the TV companies have gone big and gone, right, OK, we're going to put a lot of money into boxing now. Then we're going to put you know serious money in. Fucking zone putting a billion quid in or a billion dollars in. They want a return on that. They don't want to see you know um, some Olympian in his 12th fight box some fucking Latvian journeyman in the main event. They, they just demand greater than that. So from a fight fan perspective... That's got to be good because we know the fights are going to get better. There's going to be more pressure to make the big fights. And as you say, you know, like Frank bending over and allowing Billy Joe to come onto Sky Sports. Fingers crossed the fight happens to defend his world title bet, uh, belt. Hopefully that happens in the future. And hopefully, do you know what? Frank Warren's bought a little bit of credit with Eddie Ian. So when it flips the other way, yeah. Eddie goes, you know what? You did it. I'll do it. You can go on yeah. BT Sport for one fight. You'd like to think that's the world we're going to be in and the best fight will be made. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be surprised if something like that was already agreed straight away already with maybe someone going to BT from Matchroom to fight out in the yard or something like that. Yeah, Maybe that'll come out in the air shortly. But I think, obviously, with the zone at the moment, I think... The thing with Top Rank, ESPN, Top Rank had a ready-made stable to go to ESPN. Yeah. Eddie didn't. Yeah. Obviously, he's got a fantastic stable here in the UK. Apart from one or two names, that means nothing in America. Of course. People aren't going to tune in and, and buy subscriptions to the zone to see some of the fights that, that we see on a Saturday night. That's no disrespect to the boxers in the UK. Um, it's, it's, it's just, obviously, the way the cookie crumbles. So, I think with Top Rank having that head start on Eddie, it does put a little bit of pressure on him. He signed a, a few good fighters. Um, there was nothing majorly overwhelming there, no. though, to be think. I think, obviously, the, the way the money was spoken about, I do think it, it was always going to be a long-term project, yeah. and, and that's obvious by the, the length of the deal. But I did expect maybe one or two bigger names at that deal. I think the fact Joshua was over there was maybe just to, just to fatten it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think Eddie's got a lot of work to do because he, he, he's essentially starting from scratch. But that's what he was doing in the UK. When he first took over at Matchroom, he had a handful of fighters. Within a couple of years, he had Carl Froch fighting George Groves at Wembley Stadium in a, in a massive pay-per-view event. So he can certainly do it, and it, it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it because he's in a completely different market where Sky Sports News isn't on loop 24-7. No, I mean, yeah. it, it is going to be hard. It's, it's going to be a hard job, but I think he'll relish the challenge, and I, I wish him all the success because if he does make a success out of it, then, then boxing's the winner. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly fight fans are the winner. And boxers, you know, the, we want more places for boxers to fight, more promoters, more rivalry, bigger contracts, more money to the fighters. That's what it's all about. Uh, before we sign off, mate, what, have you, what are you up to at the moment? What can we expect in boxing news in the next few weeks? Any big interviews or yeah, what are you I've, working on? I've, got, I've already got a few in with Matt. Um, I've got a big piece coming soon on Lisa McClellan, the sister of Gerald, oh, class. who, who was... Um, Obviously injured when he fought Nigel Ben in nineteen ninety five. Um, I spoke with Paddy Barnes last week. He fights for the world title on August the eighteenth in Belfast. Um, I spoke with former heavyweight contender David Eisen last week. Oh right, he was okay. telling me about when he missed out on the um, Mike Tyson two, two Mike Tyson fights and a fight with Hassan Rachman. Um, Hassan Rachman, another guy I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Wow, and um, that's coming soon. And a big piece on. 
the Contender, the TV show. Um, I know you What's remember that. What's making the comeback, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's on. I think it starts August the eighteenth. I think um, Andre. We've seen like Andre Ward before. He's one of the. I think he's Phil. He's taking like the Sugar Ray Sugar Ray oh, Leonard yeah. role in this oh, season. Right, okay. But for the Contender piece, I managed to speak with. Um, Sergio Mora, who won the show. Yeah, the, la- Ma- the Latin, Latin Snake. Latin Snake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Peter Manfredo, the, the finalist. Ishe Smith, who was very oh, outspoken. Class. I was a massive and, fan of Ishe Smith. And Jeremy Williams, who was the, the trainer on the show. Brilliant. So there's some good talking heads there, and obviously that, that's him with Matt now, and he'll decide what week it goes in. But I've been kept quite busy. Um, that sounds class. I love the contender. I think most people did. Like, we're all bought into it, weren't we? I know we had Paul Smith on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he said they, they contacted him about going, doing something on the show. I don't the, know whether uh, it was competing or whatever. Yeah, but Paul but, was in season three, wasn't he? Yeah, right. he had yeah, to leave yeah. injured. I remember that. Yeah. He, well, he won, didn't he? But he didn't score yeah. enough points to get through to the next David round. Banks, he had that little rivalry with Banks, That's didn't he? I'm right, sure yeah, it's still on YouTube that season. <laughs> uh, stick with us. Obviously, not much boxing coming up this weekend. Certainly nothing massive to preview. But the boy Cattle will be back next week. So it'll be back to the usual banter. Uh, just leaves me to say thanks, mate. I appreciate you coming into the studio. Not many time, Nick. Glad Best to be here. Best of luck, my mate. To get, to get more from the Fight Disciples, obviously our UFC show, UFC 224, is also available today via all the usual networks. Stick with us all your news and breaking news and reaction during the week across social media at Fight Disciples and for our entire back catalogue as I say check out fightdisciples.com I'll catch you next week thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via iTunes